Big Red Revival. Welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, season three, episode four. Well, Zach, uh, we are officially two days out from uh, putting an end to what uh, I believe is the most tumultuous offseason in Nebraska football history and probably the uh, most tumultuous uh, offseason in, in uh, college football history. So it's uh, it, it, we're two days out. It feels good to finally uh, we'll be able to stop talking about offseason and drama and this, that, and the third and breaking down you know, what, what could possibly happen. We'll actually be breaking down game action. So we're two days out, but uh, before we get into that, Zach, what's, what's happening over there? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fired up, you know, it's, uh, it's finally here, uh, you know, good, bad, ugly, you know, whatever it is, it's, uh, it's finally here and I'm fired up, fired up to do this episode. Um, I got, uh, got my last uh, golf scramble of the year on Friday and then and then game days on Saturday, and I think it's safe to say that I might be uh, mixing a little Kool Aid and whiskey at this point. So, oh, shit. before oh, shit. we before we do get into all that, though, I, I do have um, two things to kind of bring up to you. Uh, one one being, I think it was either last episode or two episodes ago. I know you were referring to more of like championship and ch- championships and things like that, but you said the Yankees ain't been doing shit in a while, <laughs> and. And I would just like to put on the record, and it's well known in in the the baseball universe that they have now won eleven straight. They have gone from ten and a half back from the Red Sox at the at the break to having a a steady hand or handle on at least a wild card spot. But we're not going to stop there. So yeah, they're on a heater. They're on a heater. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty fun to watch, and you know I know a lot a lot of people aren't always baseball fans, but it's really getting me through this. Uh, this lull um, leading up to to the college football season. The second one being more of a formal announcement. You don't know about this. Okay, uh, surprise me. The people, uh, the people may or may not know that we are in a fantasy football league called the uh, the League of Ordinary Men. Um, not Correct. to be confused with Extraordinary Men. Okay. Um, and um, we are going into our third season uh, this upcoming year. And I would just um, like to present you with an award. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, it. it is uh, the roster or what? The I... first, the first ever 2021 Brett Broman No Paying Ass Award. Oh shit! God damn. <laughs> well, he, well, you know, I I thought we were paying on draft day and shit, and I saw the text messages and whatever, and I was like, damn, only two people haven't paid, and that was what two three days ago. <laughs> yep. And I'm like. Uh, I'll just hold out till, uh, till draft day, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> so as you know, I usually like to, if I'm not going to be first, I'd rather just be last in that in the payment go. issue. So just, just like, uh, getting on a plane, right? Exactly. You got to be the last guy on the plane. Can't yep. do it with Southwest. That's why I don't like to fly Southwest. There you go. But, uh, it's, congratulations on the inaugural award. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, somebody has got to be that guy. Somebody has got to be the last guy to pay. And, and unfortunately, uh, there would have been one last year, but uh, Che, the the previous champion, um, he just chose to uh, have me keep his one uh, his his winnings from the year before, yep. so he he was off the hook. But yep. congr- congratulations to you, um, and uh, we'll we'll see if it pays off. 
Yeah, uh, and I guess another update. Uh, you know, last episode we spoke on uh, us being a little little golf golf league heater. Damn. Uh, you know, riding riding first place all the way to the uh, the playoff, the play in. And uh, unfortunately, your boy here uh, has an annual trip down to Cabo to take his uh, wife down there for her birthday. So I had to choose that over the play in uh, playoff. And uh, unfortunately, I came back to some uh, some bad news uh, that uh, not only were we beat, but we were blanked. Shut we the were fuck blanked. out. So, yep. uh, Zach, I wasn't there. I mean, what happened? You know, we're riding first place, basically leading score in the whole whole league out of a what? How many teams are there? Uh, gosh. Like 70 teams. Yeah, something like that. It's- yeah, out at Woodland Hills on Thursday mm-hmm. nights and, uh, you know, come home and uh, see a, a blanket and uh, we've been eliminated. <laughs> so that's always rough. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we we talk about it a lot, but this uh, this league likes to keep keep us down, and uh, sure, sure the fuck do. And they they remain undefeated in that in that area. They um, they allowed a team to have a player um, replace one of the teammates for a zero handicap, and right. essentially make a blockbuster trade after the trade deadline. So right. Traded, um, traded for fucking Pat Mahomes at the fucking trading deadline. Yeah, like going into the playoffs and then they pick up and, and, you know, a team like, I don't know, the, someone not good picks up Mahomes and they go to the Super right. Bowl. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, we we got ourselves in, in the conversation and, you know, it's something to build on for next year. So yep. um, we'll, we'll go with that. Well, you know, before we get into all the football talk, uh, this episode is brought to you by our guys down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at Blue Pelican Pools. Blue Pelican Pools is servicing the entire Broward County area. Uh, Contact our guy Brock at 754-200-1414 for all your pool cleaning needs. And just remember, your pool isn't truly blue until it's Blue Pelican Blue. So we appreciate those guys. Uh, Our guy down there in Florida, Brock, doing his thing. So uh, we appreciate the sponsorship for this episode. And uh, for all of our listeners down in the the Fort Lauderdale area, definitely give those guys a call. Do great work. So, uh, appreciate you guys down there. Shout out Brock. Shout out to Brock. So now that we got that out of the way, uh, it's time to talk football. Got all the bullshit out of the way. Uh, as we mentioned, I was down and took my annual trip down to Cabo, Mexico, you know, decided to shut my phone off. And, uh, you know, it's just been a, as you say it at the beginning a very tumultuous off season, just wanted to shut my phone off, come back home, turn it on and, you know, expect, uh, you know, Nothing's really happened while I've been gone the five, six days. And, uh, you know, there couldn't be possibly any more drama while I'm there. It's just time. It's, you know, it's game week. There couldn't be any more drama going on. And, yeah, unfortunately, uh, within the last seven days, there's been two more uh, drama incidents. So it's just uh, um, I don't even really want to get into them too much because, you know what, we're two days out from the game. But just wanted to touch on the on the two things. So. Uh, while it was uh, apparently Nebraska was hit with some NCAA infractions for um, which ones are they actually being investigated for? Cause they brought up two, but they're only being investigated for one for the game analyst that was actually doing some coaching. Is that the special teams guy? Um, yeah, it could, it, it's essentially, it was an extra coach coaching and players trying to play more. I mean, it's, it's equivalent right. to a speeding ticket or jaywalking in the real world. And, you know, like you said, we don't need to get into it too much, but it's just kind of a joke and just another thing that we don't need to be worrying about here. Right. And then the uh, holding off-campus workouts where maybe a coach was there or something during the pandemic. 
uh, on the surface, just, you know, nothing really at all. Like you said, kind of a speeding ticket, but uh, just in the kind of off season we've had with all the, all the shit going on, it's uh, just another thing to add to, to the list of shit that's been happening. So um, there was that. And like I said, we're not going to j- jump it too much into it because uh, we're going to try to, you know, keep positive vibes going here. Um, but then uh, what, two days ago uh, on Tuesday, I believe Scott Frost had his press conference and, uh, from the accounts of it, he uh, broke the record for shortest press conference ever, clocked in at, uh, you know, five minutes and seven seconds. You know, all the, of course, media members wanted to, you know, get you, get, you, get it right down to the second, let you know how short of press conference it was. Um, you know, I was just kind of reading through all all the comments about it, this, that, and the third, and it, it was kind of a mixed bag, just like everything in Husker, Twitter Nation. Um, so I just went and watched myself and you know, it, you know, I watched it and it looked like to me a guy that was just ready for football, like a guy that was just, you know, amped up to get football finally started. Game week's here. He's tired of the talking, tired of the bullshit and just ready for game week. And then I felt his kind of demeanor kind of changed uh, when they kept pressing him about the goddamn COVID, uh, uh, not protocols, but uh, the vaccination rate on the team. You know, I, I think that's when his demeanor kind of changed and he seemed annoyed and, you know, and, you know, gave his Bill Belichick answers, you know, very short, you know, we're, I'm just excited about my team. We're ready to play football on Saturday, this, that, and the third. So Zach, what did you take away from that press conference? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a guy, like you said, he's ready, he's ready for football. Um, He's ready for, you know, this heat to sort of be off him and kind of move to the field. But um, I don't know if you saw, but about 30 minutes ago, um, we're Wednesday night. Uh, Trev, um, Trev Alberts got on to I think Sports Nightly or um, whatever radio show he was on, and mm-hmm. did make the announcement on the vaccinations. We're at ninety percent, which is okay. um, you know right there at the top with all the other Big Ten teams. So uh, I don't know why he would be so hesitant to share that information. I I, I just think he's overall just over this and he's uncomfortable with the conversations and he just kind of wishes that the media would back off a little bit. They're not going to, he needs to understand that and just kind of present himself in a little more of a professional manner. But, um, you know, it's a guy who is, you know, kind of, I mean, we don't want to say it, but he's on the hot seat and he, he just wants to play, he wants to get on the field and coach and do, do what he was brought here to do. And, you know, with all the things that have happened in the last 18, you know, or so months, you know, that I don't, I don't blame him, but at the same time, he knows what he who's getting into here in Lincoln. Um, and you know, he could, he could do a little better, but at the same time, you know, I, I understand the frustration to an extent. Yeah. I, I, I'm on the opposite side. I, I understand his frustration on it. You know, he already keeps all the damn injuries a secret, you know, and that's been his kind of go-to since he's been here. And the vaccination is kind of, I don't, you know, you're, you can ask anybody, you're going to get 88 different answers from 88 different people. But I feel like it's kind of personal and just kind of the way things have been going. The thing with Cam Newton happened, happened this week. Uh, oh, he's in the protocols. And everybody's like, oh, well, that means he's not vaccinated and blah, blah, blah. And people start kind of thumbing their nose, you know, down to, oh, he's not vaccinated. And people want to look down on him. And so I don't think he wanted to tip his hand on, you know, the percentages. And they ask, well, is it starters? And they basically, the media is going to keep prying to see, well, who, who's not vaccinated? Is Adrian vaccinated? This, that, and the third. And it's, it, it, in my opinion, it's, it's frankly none of their goddamn business. Um, you know, it's a personal choice. And if someone has to miss a game or we miss a game because of it, it's a choice that they've made. It, it, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. I think that he was just kind of fed up with it and just, you know, he's like, I'm not going to answer the question. And then they asked again, 
well, if you know, would you, uh, you would tell us, right? If I wanted to, I already would have, is what he said. Yeah. And just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, vaccination rate and COVID and all that is a pretty lightning rod uh, topic here in here in our <laughs> here in our world here currently, and mm-hmm. for the last year and a half or so, and looks like going to be going forward for a while. So, um, just I think that's how it kind of turned. He just I think he's taken the COVID and the vaccination stuff kind of like injuries. Like he's just not going to speak about it. He doesn't want to tell you who who is and who isn't because it's a personal choice and. You know, you don't want to dime a kid out and, you know, have people question his uh, loyalty to the team and, you know, being a team player, this, that, and the third. So I think he was just trying to maybe trying to protect his players on that, which I completely understand. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so it's uh, the other thing that came out this week was um, this wonderful uh, air quotes here alliance uh, between the the Big Ten, the Pac-12 and the ACC. And, you know, after the SEC, you know, added Texas and Oklahoma, we knew that, the rest of the conferences and teams weren't going to, you know, sit still. So um, I thought that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 would, you know, make some kind of pack because that made sense. We already kind of have a long-term relationship with the whole Rose Bowl implications. And, you know, the the Pac-12 after dark, which is fucking great, you know, watching mm-hmm. late night football. And then the Big Ten with 11 a.m. games, I thought that would make a nice mix of, uh, you know, come play in some Big Ten stadiums at 11 a.m. for you guys can finally get some, it's not prime time. Well, well, unless you ask Fox, you know, 11 a.m. is prime time apparently for Fox. Um, you know, so the Pac-12 can come in and get some games that aren't at, you know, 11 p.m. at night. And then the Big Ten can go play some uh, late night games, be in those, some of those Pac-12 after dark type games, which um, I'm trying to remember. I think when we went out to Fresno State, I believe the local kickoff time here was like 10 p.m. or so, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I believe I, I went out to the game and I think it was a 7 or 8 p.m. kickoff and fresno so it had to be nine to ten o'clock uh here or whatever so i thought that was kind of cool and i wouldn't mind seeing some big tens play you know <clears throat> on the west coast after on that big tw- big 10 or pac 12 after dark type stuff but uh, they threw in the acc and um you know the, the three commissioners got together uh today or yesterday and put out a had a little press conference which they looked totally ill-prepared to answer any fucking question about anything. Uh, there's no contract sign. They say it's a, a gentleman's agreement, which, yeah, yeah, a gentleman's agreement only goes so far, especially this day and age when money's involved. Money's always mm-hmm. king. So what do you think of that whole uh, uh, alliance? Um, it, it's, it's a little confusing. <laughs> it, it seems um, like it's a little bit of a, a shot back at the SEC for essentially, you know, trying to – you know, become their own power conference and not have to worry about, you know, the, the rest of the, the power conferences out there. But I also think it brings some interesting possibilities with it. Um, and that being, you know, what if, you know, what if part of the deal is, hey, you know, for Big Ten, we play what, nine, nine conference games. So what if, what if we're already, uh, we uh, kind of lock ourselves into at least one ACC out of conference game, one Pac-12 out of conference game. And then, you know, you kind of, you know, pick whatever other game you want to schedule. Um, and that that sounds awesome. And it, it's, you know, kind of exciting because, you know, every game kind of matters and you bulk up your schedule, you know, right. if you're any of those three conferences involved. But at the same time, are any of these three conferences want to then, want to then schedule an SEC team? outside of that. And that's where they kind of 
that's where there's that gray area. It just sounded like they had no fucking plan at all. Well, I mean, and that's they just, exactly they, true. And yeah. I, I think that they just jumped into this to to kind of combat the SEC for making this this big announcement and taking two of right. the the big programs in, in college yeah. football. So they just made an announcement with no plan, no contract sign, no no nothing. And then they're like, well, and, you know, most of our uh, schedules are already out 10 years, you know, or so. So it's like – just really didn't have a plan. It, it it's uh, it's kind of a joke. Um, we'll see how it shakes out, but it is it's it is what it is. It'll be some it'll be changes, and I can guarantee you this won't be the last one. So yeah, it's a joke. Right. I'm just trying to keep the positive vibes here. Positive vibes. Yeah, the, so, the, schedule, the scheduling would be sweet. All right, off season's over. So Saturday, <laughs> noon kickoff at Illinois. There's still two position battles going that everybody's kind of interested in and waiting to see. You know, Frost. Uh, you know, likes to you know, keep his cards, cards close to his vest. So I uh, didn't want to release a depth chart. So the two position battles in question are who's going to be uh, running back one and who's going to be uh, starting cornerback opposite of Cam Taylor Britt. How do you see in that? How are you seeing that shakeout Saturday? Um, I think my running back selection isn't necessarily going to be a popular one, but um, you know, if we go back to, you know, the last, you know, two, three seasons of this podcast, I've always kind of been a Sevion Morrison guy. I've, I tracked him pretty close when, when he committed here. And um, I think he's got a ton of talent. He can kind of do it all. He can be in every down back. Um, so I see him being the, the running back one. However, there's, there's a step who's coming off an injury. Um, you know, I think, I think he, from USC. he could, he could very well be running back one. I'm not saying right. he's out of it. Gabe Irvin has gotten a lot of buzz over the offseason. It's my and guy then, right there. And then even Yant. Um, he he was kind of that that hero coming out of kind of camp. I just don't see it there. That springtime hero. Yep. And then and then you still have uh Marvin Scott in the mix. Yep. yep. And it's just it's it's kind of crazy that we have, I guess, quote unquote, this deep of a room. I just see Sevion Morrison being running back one and they did say that they want to have a feature running back that gets 20 touches a game. So, right. You know, and that's they kind of clearly what, have somebody in mind. Yeah. That's kind of what they've said the last couple of seasons of how they want to have one, you know, horse back there. It hasn't shook out that way. Uh, you know, could be due to injuries or whatever else, but uh, it hasn't shook out where Nebraska has a bell cow back there. But um, yeah, it's, it sounds like the kind of conversations kind of changed uh, this last week or so with Sevian Morrison. It sounds like, uh, if I was betting, man, that's going to be who it is that trots out there the first play of the game. But uh, I definitely expect to see Step and uh, Gabe Irvin out there. Yance, you know, I think he was kind of the guy that flashed in uh, spring, you know, with his size and kind of got the fans all uh, giddy about having a big back like that. But um, haven't really heard much from him in fall camp. Um, so I think Gabe Irvin, Step, and uh, and Sevian Morrison are going to be the guys, and maybe just kind of give them all a look the first game and see see you know who's who's game ready, who's who's going to be the guy that steps up in the game, and then kind of make your choices from there. Hopefully, you know, with a what I believe a stable of running backs, whether they're un, they're unproven or not, um, I hope that kind of takes the load off of Adrian Martinez, and we don't see you know ten plus carries from him come Saturday. But uh, what about the corner? So <clears throat> I think a lot of people were assuming the Ohio State transfer was going to be cornerback to uh, starting opposite of Cam Taylor Britt. But uh, it turns out there's a little bit of battle and it doesn't sound like he's uh, he's even involved. It sounds like he might be a nickelback. Who do you like in that battle? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, okay, so it's obviously between two guys. We know the guys, Quentin Newsom and Braxton Clark. Yep. Um, 
I want to say Quentin Newsom. I think yeah. that I, I, I um, have been kind of reading up on and kind of fall, obviously following stuff. And Braxton Clark didn't didn't do any real team activities through spring. He wasn't he wasn't going, you know, with he's coming back from that injury. Yeah, he's coming back from the injury. Up. And that was even preseason of 2020, yeah. wasn't it? So, I mean, he didn't see any time last year. I just feel like the safe bet would go to would be to go with Quentin Newsom, but they're going to be interchangeable. I think that like, yeah, I you you might see Quentin Newsom, you know, run out there with the first team, you know, the first series, and then you you swap them in and out to keep their legs fresh and and keep things fresh. But yeah, um, the the scary thing is, you know, that that's who, uh, regardless of who it is, who the opponents are going to target because they're not right. going to be thrown to Cam Taylor Britt's side; they're going to be thrown over there. So these guys have to really kind of step up quickly and efficiently. And the the one thing that um, kind of gets me is Braxton Clark has all that size. He's like a Stanley Bapt- or, uh, Baptiste. What, what? Yeah, Gene Baptiste. Gene Baptiste, yep. And so he's got that kind of size, but I think yep. Quentin like Newsom is more of he's, – Yeah, he's like 6'3", 6'4", I think. Okay, yeah. Have him. Yep. And yep. Quentin Newsom 6'2", so still good size at the corner position. But right. I think you see Quentin Newsom run out there first – but you're going to see both of them in there a lot. Yeah, you know, Quentin Newsom got his chance to uh, play last year, I believe is the uh, Northwestern game when we had a couple guys suspended for the first half due to uh, uh, knocking people's heads off, you know, otherwise known mm-hmm. as targeting. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, he had two picks there, so he flashed real well. So uh, we've got some young guys ready ready to go. Um, you know, I think the guy from Ohio State will end up playing a factor, getting some playing time. Mm-hmm. But um, our DBs are deep. Um, obviously, you've got your stud, your – your captain Cam Taylor Britt on the other side, which you know you're hoping is going to be a lockdown corner. Uh, you've got your 43 year old uh, men back there playing safeties. We, they both have just, they both have kids. Did you know that? I did not know that. I, yeah. I, one of them's <laughs> 25 right. years old. Yeah, exactly. They're almost as old as I. I yeah. shut. So yeah, so we got some old men back there. Um, but you know, Illinois uh, is also a team kind of like us. We're a very senior laden team this year. Illinois is uh, bringing back 44 seniors this year, and inc- that's including a sixth-year quarterback, uh, Brandon Peters, which is the transfer from Michigan, I believe, right? He transferred a couple years ago. Was that Michigan? Yeah, I mean, so, I, I think he entered college about the same year that uh, former stud quarterback at Illinois, Juice Williams, entered. Yeah, and so Juice Williams, uh, actually, that should bring that up, his move to wide receiver now. No, I'm talking about the original Juice Williams. Oh, yeah. Well, well so there's another guy, Isaiah Williams. I yeah, yeah. Name, which, call- which, yep. yep. So anyways, the new whatever, he's he's now a wide receiver. But yes, the old Juice Williams back in the day. Yep. When they went to the Rose Bowl. Got yep, beat by USC. Yep. yep. So, <clears throat> so, so both teams are kind of are very senior laden. So you're, you're not going to get a lot of young guys. You're not expecting a lot of mistakes. But... Uh, the continuity we have with having the same coaching staff, the fourth year coaching staff, as opposed to Brett Bielema, who's the first year head coach there at Illinois, the old Arkansas coach and the old Wisconsin coach. You know, he got he kind of uh, kept the ball rolling there at Wisconsin, took him to a couple Rose Bowls, and then um, I believe they didn't want to pay his assistants enough money, so he decided to take an SEC job in the toughest division in football, and then wondered why he got his brains beat in every every week. So I hope paying your assistants a couple, you know, an extra $20,000 was, was worth it. Um, so, you know, he took the job at Arkansas and was, you know, basically fired within uh, three years. So I have no idea why anybody would take a job in the SEC West right now. I mean, it's just a juggernaut of, I mean, the big 10 East isn't, uh, you know, no uh, walk in the park itself, but the SEC West is uh, as tough as it gets, especially when you're, 
not one of the, you know, you're not LSU, Auburn, Alabama, you know, Arkansas is the, the bottom feeder there, you know, not to mention you've got Lane Kiffin, Old Miss and uh, Mississippi state down there too. So just a very, very tough division. It's hard to win. And I know their coach now, they, they kind of like, I think he got him six wins last year, but uh, Brett Bielema is a, uh, is an Iowa guy. I believe he has a Hawkeyes tattoo also. Um, yeah. On his calf or something. So he he's, he's that kind of style of coach where it's going to be a lot of uh, pound the ball, run the ball downhill, play some good defense. So, um, we'll see how that relates to Saturday and if that's the same kind of game plan he's going to have going forward. Um, I know last year Illinois had two 100-yard rushers on us that both returned. So they've definitely got a couple of guys back there that can uh, uh, can tote the rocks. So we'll see how that shakes out. But, um, you know, at the beginning of the game, I think it's been a very contentious subject for Nebraska fans. Um, so, Zach, I want to ask you, what what is going to be the first offensive play that we see come Saturday from Nebraska? So I, I've thought about this probably more than I should. Um, but <laughs> I mean, people are going to lose their fucking mind if they throw a goddamn bubble screen. So I think I think we have different strengths than we have had in the past couple of years. I think that we're going to have a, a healthy and um, more, you know, toned and elusive Adrian Martinez. So this yep. is where kind of that thought process goes into it. But I think we're going to start with an RPO. Um, it's okay. going to ha- it's going to have a swing pass. But oh, deep, fuck, no, 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 no. It's going to have a swing pass, but a deep ball concept. Yep. I think the actual read will be what the uh, the corner does on that edge receiver, because if that edge receiver kind of inches up because everyone in their dog knows they're going to we we're going to entertain that swing pass. If he steps up in the slightest bit, he's going to he's going to take it down the field a little bit. But if he does yep. not, I think his second and only other read is to tuck and run. You know how they kind of take that step back, right. take a look downfield, and they get going. I think that's going to be the play, but we're going to have we're going to have that swing pass in there to kind of occupy the linebacker and also tempt the corner to come up. And then if we can get them to really over pursue, I think we're going to see a deep pass. Otherwise, Martinez is going to tuck it and run. Yeah, well, I hate that fucking play call. So I would fire you as the co- coordinator if that's your play call. One because it's going to it encompasses potentially throwing the bubble screen, which I'm going to be one of those fans is absolutely going to lose my goddamn mind if he throws a wide receiver screen on the first play of the game. And two, as a back part of that, you said a Martinez run. Let's we got to get away from Martinez run. Like we are in a lot of fucking trouble if Martinez goes down. We're just talking about all these backs that we like. Let's fucking run the ball and use these backs and not use our goddamn quarterback that is injury prone. The guy hasn't not missed a game his entire football career. So I'm hoping it's a simple. Simple, you know, uh, handoff and just kind of break the ice, get the season going. But uh, here, let me know. let me let me come back at you with that though. Okay, here's here's the thing about it: we need Martinez to run and run effectively against Illinois. We we can get away with him not doing too much against Fordham and Buffalo down the road. But see, we need I to throw, put all I of see our Illinois in that uh, in that category too. Where if we have to resort, did, which we might, we 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 absolutely did. You might, see the but, game last year? We we got destroyed by them. Well, we had we had little Lukey playing quarterback. That's that's problem number one right there. Yeah, little Lukey threw three picks last. Yeah, year. Yeah, so. not to mention the backwards shovel pass that we lost a fumble on in the second play of the game. Yeah, not to mention the fucking we let a. A fake punt go that was the worst fake punt in the history. It, it was such a fake that the goddamn punter who's running the fake doesn't even know it's fake. I mean, he literally he stopped faked out two, a fake player. Yeah, he literally stopped two times himself on a fake punt. I mean, just just an all timer. I mean, I think what 
Porter sends that to us, that play to yeah. us in a <laughs> in our group text, you know, once a week or something. It's honestly one of the ugliest football plays I've ever seen in my entire life. And but to to go back to my original play call, you you I don't think you heard me because I said the only two reads are throw it deep or take off with Martinez. The swing pass is just there for just there yeah. for show. One probably to to troll Nebraska fans too. To, <laughs> yeah, honestly, to like, test the stupidity of the Illinois defense because they can't possibly think we would actually do that again. Oh, but we, man, but no. we might, but we might. Well, we fuck it. It's a big might. We, I, I would say, I would say it's a sixty percent chance we throw a wide receiver screen the first play of the game. So, and, and then my hat will be thrown across the room. Yeah, I honestly like, it, especially if it goes for three or three yards or less, like zero yards or under. Like it's, I don't know. I'm gonna lose my mind, but I'm gonna be on edge anyways. But uh, yes, correct. <laughs> um, but you know, we talked about the last year's game. Um, you know, Illinois came in here as 17-point dogs. Um, we're coming off a, a big win against Penn State, our first win of the season. And, uh, you know, we're home favorites, 17 points. We're breaking out the black uniforms. Um, you know, Luke McCaffrey got his first win as a starting quarterback the week before against Penn State, which was mainly due to the defense, uh, you know, scored a touchdown. And the defense played well. It was more of a defensive win than anything. Mm-hmm. And we came out uh, as 17-point favorites and laid a fucking egg at home to Illinois. And like I said, we gave up close to 500 yards, 200-yard rushers, three three turnovers, three INTs from Luke. I mean, some of the worst passes you'll ever see in uh, Division One football. So unless you want to turn in t- or tune into Rice this year, where <laughs> I don't know if uh, little Luke is going to be playing down there or what, but uh, – Anyway, it's just terrible quarterback play, and I, I'm i for sure that we win that game if Adrian uh, Martinez is starting the game. So Adrian Martinez has owned Illinois in his uh, Nebraska career. Got some of his numbers down here in two starts against Illinois. Two starts, two wins. Uh, he was 46 for 68 passing, 618 yards, and six touchdowns, and tack on 172 rushing yards and one touchdown. So seven touchdowns and close to 900 yeah, – I'm doing – Fucking math here in my head, but let's uh, close to Don't hurry 800 yourself. yards, 800 yards of total offense in two games. So, and those happen to be two of the five games in Scott Frost era that we've put up over 40 points. We scored 54 the first year and 42 the second year of him starting. So, <clears throat> Adrian Martinez has had Illinois' number. Granted, now both of those games have been kind of close. Uh, we've gave up a lot of points to Illinois, as you remember that uh, the last game at Illinois was a huge second half comeback that, uh, you know, that uh, kind of got Husker nation feeling good. And, you know, all of a sudden we, it was a late, late finish. And then they announced uh, game days coming here for Ohio state at, at Nebraska. And uh, <laughs> really hasn't been right since, nope. <laughs> since that. Uh, so what, what are you expecting to see from uh, Adrian uh, come Saturday? Well, I think, I think not only Adrian, but I think everybody's going to have a chip on their shoulder. You know, we, we, for That's some, the way it sounded, man, everybody's sounding like they're locked in just yeah. ready to unleash. Well, and w- for some reason we came off feeling good after the Penn state game, when we got Penn state at their absolute worst. I mean, they actually showed a pulse in the second half of that game we played last year, Yeah, um, but, the came first, back on us. but the first half, you know, we, they just, they didn't want to be there clearly. So what I expect to see is everyone you know, taken into consideration that, that that was just a letdown game last year. We, I mean, they, they played almost a flawless game against us last year. Uh, Brandon Peters carved us up, you know, all day. They ran the ball down our throats. I mean, Luke had his mistakes. 
That was the first <laughs> absence of Dedrick Mills, so we had to play Marvin Scott the whole game. Right. And and that was probably the game that Wandale decided, I don't want to play here next year. <laughs> and so, I mean, he that guy got beat up all game. And so yep. then you look back, you know, to 2018 and 2019 when we did have success. 2018, the return of A.J. Bush. He had three yes. uh, he had three rushing touchdowns, but the trio of Martinez, Zigbo, and Morgan was just too much for the Illini to handle. And and it, it was close, but it wasn't because they weren't stopping us that day. And then 2019 was kind of like kind of like that midseason come out party for 2 a.m. again because he showed so much grit in that second half to get us back in the game. That was as hard a hitting game as I've seen in a while. I mean both teams, you know, secondary all the way to the D line were just hitting so hard. So I would expect, you know, especially since Martinez, that was kind of one of the games that he he wasn't included in the game plan. And he's going to come out like the rest of the team with a chip on his shoulder. And I think, um, you know, if, if he can kind of continue the success he's had in the past, you know, we'll be in a good spot because as we've said before, we go as as the Huskers go as far as Martinez takes us. Yeah, absolutely. This season hinges on Adrian Martinez, his health, and his play. Um, and like I said, I, I'll, I'll take it. You know, I honestly, outside, of, I know he's been injury prone, but uh, you know, I like the way he's looking this this year, uh, physique wise. He's slimmed down. Um, hopefully, that helps with some of the soft t- tissue injuries, and we can keep him upright. And with the stable of running backs that we keep talking about, uh, hopefully, that takes a little bit of pressure on him. Hopefully, we don't have to get into the Adrian Martinez carrying the ball 10, 10 plus times each game, you know, I think five to seven is probably the right number just to keep the defense honest. And, you know, he's a threat to, to run the ball. I mean, he's, that was our only offensive weapon last year was a, you know, a quarterback draw. So after, you know, three failed wide receiver screens. So, um, but you know, also, you know, and the things that have Husker nations harped on um, Saturday, I have an over under for you over under, 0.5 0.5 touchbacks for Nebraska on on Saturday. Nebraska has struggled mightily kicking the ball out of the end zone, which has really, I mean, <clears throat> in all honesty, if if we had a better ki- just kickoff kicker, I think that we probably win an extra game each each of the last three years because the field position game and lack thereof field coverage or kickoff coverage has been just horrendous, and you know. That's why the uh, special teams analyst was fired and, uh, you know, probably snitched on us, allegedly, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, snitched on us, fucking little bitch. So um, over under half, or, uh, half a uh, touchback on Saturday. Are we kicking the ball out of the end zone come Saturday or no? I think it's going to be it out. I think it's going to be over. I think it's going to be at two. I think they're both going to be in the second half. I I just feel like we're. We're going to control the game at that point, and there's going to be a lot of adrenaline flowing, and they're going to kind of get those first couple kicks, jitters out of the way. I think we put two in the end zone, and we're feeling good about that that unit for a week. Yeah, and so uh, you know, historically, when Scott Frost has won won the coin the coin uh, flip, you know, he always takes the ball. I think this year he's he's uh, if we win the coin flip <laughs> come Saturday, he's going to want to kick off. And just like we discussed on the first offensive play of the game, I'm just telling you, if the fucking ball gets kicks it to the ten yard line, I'm also going to fucking lose my goddamn mind, and t- Twitter's going to explode. Oh, oh, can't kick the ball out of the end zone again, you know. So it's it's. Which is crazy that those are going to be the little things that we harp on, but the it's like little things 
add up to big things. Yes. And those things uh, add up to wins and losses. So being able to kick the ball into the end zone, get touchbacks is a huge part. And I don't know, we signed 38 fucking kickers this last offseason. So you would think one of them would be able to kick the ball through the end zone. There's the the kid from some small town here in Nebraska that apparently got, you know, some. There's a kid from Morningside. Morningside. Yeah, he had the transfer in. There's, mm-hmm. there's a true freshman that's a walk-on. Um, he's from some small town in Nebraska that apparently he's got a pretty good uh, boot on him. So just, I mean, out of all 30 of those kickers that we've signed and, you know, that have walked on here at Nebraska, we got to be, be able to find one that can kick the ball through the end zone. So, And if and if you can't, on to the next one. I mean, yeah, no, let's exactly. not waste our time. Exactly. Go back to club soccer like yeah. the last guy. Yep. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, losing my mind, uh, you know, going crazy a little bit early. Um, you know, what's, what's, what's your plans for Saturday? What's your game day on Saturday look like? What, uh, you got a game day tradition or what, what are you up to? This Saturday, I think we're just going to go to some friends and watch it. Um, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a kid setting there, but I think, uh, you know, they, they're all about the same age, so they can, you know, fend for themselves while right. while daddy's upstairs cussing and screaming at a TV and, and, and probably, you know, drinking a little more than he should. But yeah. um, Cracking those first drinks, mixing that first drink early? Or? Uh, I think I think we're catching catching breakfast with the wife's uh, parents, and then oh, just just getting that base in me because that's important. <laughs> that's important for a marathon, you know. It's not a sprint. Absolutely. These these uh, these game days and these seasons are not a sprint; they're a marathon. So um, you know, as as we age, uh, we we get smarter and and more wise. So get a little country fried steak and eggs on the on the stomach early. Oh, that's that's a little that's a little heavy. Probably just going on. Probably just going omelet and. Ah, and something okay. else but um yeah and then from there going over there and then you know we got our our noon kickoff and then yep. that, that probably gets over 3 3 15 and then we just flip over to ucla hawaii and and you know just kind of take in the full not full slate but a uh, light slate of college football but it's college football so right yeah for for myself it, plans are still kind of up in there you know i've my wife doesn't like to take me out in public or especially over to anybody of her, her friend's house uh, because of my antics on game day. That's fair. That's um, fair. You know, which is understandable. Cause I'm gonna, I'm gonna be screaming at the TV and acting a fool. And, you know, so I just, I don't know. I just get, so I rev high as they say, you know, I rev high, especially when it comes to hustler games, but I don't know, maybe we come out and just play well and, you know, run it up on them and I can just sit back and relax, but more than likely it'll be a halfway close game. And, uh, you know, I'll be standing up, uh, you know, a foot away from the TV <laughs> with a bunch of swear words and, you know, wife yelling, you're scaring the baby and, you know, that type <laughs> of stuff. So I'll probably end up just, you know, the best place to watch a game is in your basement on your own TVs. So, um, that's more than likely what I'll end up doing just to, uh, relieve the pressure of the first game, just, uh, take it in by myself. <laughs> so, um, but so we're, you know, we've talked about what we're going to do Saturday. What are the Huskers going to do? Um, you know, the line, the betting line is Nebraska minus seven. It's down from nine and a half, which we opened at, I don't know, probably a month, two months ago. Uh, so it's been bet down a little bit. Um, so what kind of, I don't know. What kind of predictions do you have score wise for this game, uh, gambling wise? Um, I think Nebraska covers, and I think the overs hit. I mean, I um, if I have I have a score ready. I don't know if we're going to wait till the end of the the pod yeah. to do that, but yep. um, I I think that 
I think Nebraska just uh, there. There's a little bit of different mindset with this team. I think all of the realistic and pub and also public pressure is actually on Scott Frost and not the players yeah. this year. And I think that that could be a good thing because a lot of times those players feel the heat, not only from the coaching staff, but from the media, from the fans and everything. And I think a lot of that heat is kind of cooled down from media and the fan base. And yes. they're, 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 they might be playing a little more relaxed and, and hopefully they're playing for their coach and their guy and they're trying to kind of, right. you know, ease the tension a little bit. And I think that can pay dividends for us. And, you know, we have, you know, we have 25 and 23 year old safeties coming back. You know, I think we're a lot more of a mature a, a team that, you know, some of the lows that we might encounter throughout the, the game, whether it's this game or any other game in the season, aren't going to feel as low because we're just we're a little more well equipped for it and built for it. And and we're not going to we're not going to let it, you know, hold us back and hold us down for as long as we've seen, you know, over the course of the last three years under Frost. So. I, I like us. I like us to come out and look sharp, look efficient, and I think that uh, you know we get the job done on the road. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm liking Nebraska to cover the seven. I'm. I'm liking the unders on the game. Um, you know, I think it could be a defensive battle a little bit, um, but I like the unders on it. Um, but you know, so it's the first game of the season. We're week zero. There's not as much else going on. There's the uh, UCLA game, Hawaii, and then I think Fresno State. First UConn week zero also, which UConn hasn't played in two years because they took the whole year off last year. So because they're that uh, good, yeah, just you know that good. <laughs> so um, there's that. But um, outside of Nebraska and this week zero, what what kind of I don't know season expectations do you have? What do you what kind of outlook do you have just on general of the college football season and the Big T- Ten season? What are you kind of looking for it to be? Uh, what they call chalky, you know, the usual suspects, the Alabamas, Ohio State's Clemson's, or we're going to maybe see somebody new sneak in there. What do you think? Buckle your seatbelt. You're not going to be ready for this. All right. right, So I think the big 10 is going to be kind of down this year. Okay. I think, um, you know, your, your Ohio state, you know, they're going to have the talent, but I, I think they're, they're lacking the experience at the quarterback position. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a little more human than, than, than what they have been in the past. So what I I'm seeing happen on three levels and this is, I, I, it's more that I want to see this. I don't know that I, I, I'm just going to wing it here. Uh, Ohio state, Ohio state still beats Wisconsin for the big 10 championship. Surprise, surprise there, you know, shocker. Um, but I think Ohio state, they see an early loss, and I think they might see us, you know, another loss throughout the year. Whether it's, you know, maybe Michigan getting them, or I, I, I I'm never going to give Indiana credit. They're a basketball school. They, they forever will be. But right. I think there's another team that might, might, might get them. But as far as the college football t- uh, playoff teams, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Georgia. That's that's fairly yep. chalk. I'm going to go with yep. Oklahoma. That's fairly yep. chalk. Jockey, yep. Oregon. Okay. I I think their uh, their schedule is favorable, and I think they're the team. I think they play <laughs> Ohio State early. Is that right? Oregon, yes. Uh, week two. Yep. I think they get Ohio State early. Okay. And then my sleeper pick for the fourth team in the playoff is North Carolina. 
All right, all right. Uh, I know the uh, the Brett uh, Cecilia, whatever how you say his fucking last name. The dude that does the Pick Six previews, um, really good publication there. Um, he had North Carolina in there. Um, I had, I think that well, basically the no. I have Oklahoma, Ohio State, Oregon, and then I just put SEC champ. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was I was kind of buying into the Georgia Georgia hype, but they're starting to get a couple injuries. Um, there's Two of their star tight ends aren't going to be playing. One of them's left the team. The other, they're both five stars. Uh, the Eric Gilbert, uh, he was a transfer from LSU. Um, he joined the team and then is already off the team. And then uh, Darrell, uh, shit, uh, Henderson or Jefferson, whatever, big yep, Jefferson, like, Jefferson, Jefferson. Yep. Yep. Okay, yeah, he's uh, he's out for the first four to six weeks. And the JT Daniels quarterback situation at Georgia. I mean, the guy was the number one quarterback coming out of high school out of California, went to USC, uh, started as a true fresh freshman, got hurt, um, which gave way to uh, Slovis, the kid from Phoenix, and Slovis uh, didn't uh, give him back the rain. So Slovis has played well. And I just don't know if JT Daniels is ever going to ever gonna work out to what they think he is. So, you know, quarterback's play is pretty big. But uh, I, obviously it'll probably be Georgia or – or Bama again, yeah. um, depending on what uh, their young quarterback does. But um, yeah, so I'm, it's pretty chalky. But um, you know, my one bold uh, prediction for the college football season is that uh, we will have no undefeated teams. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be a I, wacky year. I really yeah, do. And I think I think the reason be behind that is because the top end skill talent this year is uh, is. Definitely down from last yes. year. I mean, just go look at the first 20 picks of the NFL draft. Um, it's all skill position players, quarterbacks, receivers, um, uh, tight ends, running backs, uh, all skilled position players. So I think when you look at the top players this year, it's like, I mean, Rattler from Oklahoma. It's like, I like Rattler. He's good, but I mean, I'm not, not, I'm not, I'm not a not, big Rattler guy. Yeah, I mean, he's not Trevor Lawrence or no. Justin Fields or any of those quarterbacks from last year. I mean, so I think the top-end talent at the skill position is down. It's probably going to be a draft where we're seeing a lot of left tackles and defensive ends go at the top. So, uh, like um, the dude from Oregon, um, he's I think he's the number one uh, rated NFL prospect right now. So, Thibodeau uh, is the name. So, yep. I, think that, I think everybody suffers a loss. As far as the Big Ten goes, for some reason, I have I have no reason to believe this and nothing to back it. But for some reason, I'm liking Penn State to have a really good season this year. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, I just think Penn State is going to have a good season. I, and obviously, I have Wisconsin winning the Big Ten West, which is Wisconsin and uh, Penn State play first game of the season, which is great. There's some there's some mm-hmm. top end games this first the first uh, two weeks of the season. Um, and then you have uh, what Iowa plays Indiana, Indiana, Indiana first game, and then they come on play, Hoosiers, baby. Yeah, and then they've got to play Iowa State. You know the nation's darling. I mean, people are really, really riding that cyclone, cyclone train. Um, yep. Obviously, they've returned a lot of talent, but you know, championship DNA is a real thing. You know, so we'll see. They haven't beat Iowa in five years, um, so we'll see if this is the year where they knock off the Hawkeyes finally. But um, there's a lot of top end games, like you said. We already talked about the Ohio State, uh, Oregon. Oregon comes to Ohio State, and then Georgia, uh, Clemson, Georgia, Clemson, um, Washington, and Washington, Michigan. Yep. 
Um, I think week three, um, Penn State plays Auburn. Auburn actually comes up to fucking Penn State, which, shocker, an SEC team finally travels up north to the Big Ten. He doesn't want to do a neutral side or we have to go down there. So um, there's a lot of – and then um, – Louisiana goes to Texas week one too. And yep. Louisiana and better – or Texas better be better be lucky because Louisiana took it to Iowa State at Iowa State last year early yep. in the year and kind of like – kind of derailed Iowa State for a little bit until they kind of got back to that sweetheart right. phase. But and then you've got Cincinnati playing Notre Dame. Cincinnati also plays Indiana. So there's there's a lot of good non-conference and conference games early in the season. And, you know, I just – with the fans back in the stadium, dude, I – you know, usually we'll go down to the Nebraska games and uh, we always go to that blur tailgate and party and this, that, and the third. But it's like, man, I, I when you do – when you go down to games, you miss all the other games. You yeah. know, it just engulfs your whole day. Um, and you don't really get to see anything, see the rest of the games. And there's just so many good games this at the beginning of the season where it's like, I just want to sit in my basement and mm-hmm. put a couple of TVs on. And but I'm sure I'll make it down there for one of these first games. But um, so I don't know. There's, who's your Heisman winner? So Heisman winner, I'm going with DJ Ugolele Lele, um, quarterback Clemson. Yep. Um, otherwise known as Big Cinco. Uh, and the motherfucker big. I think he's six five, six six, about two forty. Yeah. Um. So I think that he's going to put up some stats this year. I don't think I think Clemson's going to be a little down. I see him losing at least once the season, probably twice. But um, that's who I'm taking for the Heisman. Who do you have for your Heisman? Well, if all goes well with my uh, with my Tar Heels here, um, I I see Sam Howell. I see Sam Howell as kind of being. Not as good, not quite as a breakout because he's he's very well known, but right. similar type of like dream season as Joe Burrow. Okay, um, yeah, he's they. Go I, I see him going eleven one, eleven and one. I think they they drop one. Uh, they they do have to go to Notre Dame, right? In in the mix of a three game um, span of Florida State, Miami, Notre Dame, Florida State, Miami, both at North Carolina, at Notre Dame. Their North Carolina goes to Notre Dame though. I, yep. I think they win the AC, ACC title and get that college football playoff um, berth. If that all happens, Sam Howell will be your 2021 Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. And, and the I, number I think, one pick next year. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think that he, by season end, he ends up overtaking Spencer Rattler as the number one quarterback for the NFL draft. Um, you know, Rattler's just so small, man. Just, yeah. I mean, the guy can throw a good a good ball and a pretty ball. Don't get me wrong, but it's just so small. And he's a shithead, kind of. And, yeah, and if you watch QB1, he's kind of yeah. a shithead, too. Yep. So <laughs> so there's that aspect of it. But um, <sighs> I don't know. I, I'm excited. I'm excited it's finally here. I'm excited mm-hmm. that this uh, – Hopefully the uh, off-field drama has uh, wrapped up, and now it's just uh, on the field things to discuss. So um, I don't know where you want to go next here. Um, what else you got over there? Um, well, I don't know. We kind of already touched on Illinois, but a couple things I think we could probably go back to. Um, in addition to Brett Bielema, a.k.a. Butthead, is their their head coach. <laughs> yeah, um, They do bring in new offensive and defensive coordinators, Right. One of them, offensive coordinator, uh, Tony Peterson, he's from Appalachian State um, just last year. And they, they're they going to be running a little bit of a different offensive you know, scheme. It's more of a power spread. Right. Um, so they're, you're going to see like a lot of like pistol formations. 
But um, that offense finished six nationally um, in rushing yards per play last year. Um, obviously, small sample size, but, I mean, you get what you get. And then Ryan Walters, their new defense coordinator, comes from Missouri. And, you know, we've seen their defense and how kind of, you know, kind of how stingy and how, you know, how tough they play. And, you know, when you get a guy who's a defense coordinator in the SEC coming over, you know, to Illinois, who's already kind of in, you know, um, has that kind of mindset um, yeah. defensively, you know, I think I think that's going to, you know, potentially bring a little bit of uh, issues to to our offense, at least for the first game. But um, again, Brandon Peters, pretty solid quarterback, carved us up last year. Sure and then, did. Um, and we talked about the the Isaiah Williams. They they do have one uh, DN. He's he's kind of a, a bigger frame. He was a second team All Conference player last year. Had something like um, ten or eleven uh, tackles for losses and five sacks or something in a you know in a shorter season. So right. someone to kind of pay attention to. Um, but um, I, I I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. And after I kind of watched through you know the last couple matchups we've had with them and then reading up on them a little bit. Um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a test, but I think it's one that we can, we can pass with, you know, having a bet, obviously a better receiving core, um, Martinez more in a healthy state and then, you know, a little bit more of an established offensive line. So, um, I think, I think, you know, that being said, you know, I still think that we, we get the dub 41, 20. Perfect. Okay. Um, Here's a, I had a couple of these over under season predictions. I just kind of wanted to run through with you and kind of get your take of what uh, what to expect this uh, this uh, Nebraska season. So obviously the season t- uh, win total uh, they have Nebraska at six. You you like the overs or under on that? I like the over. Give me the overs too. At seven. I think we we're uh, we discussed last episode. We're both to seven. I've changed. Um, what are we going to go game by game? I've changed. No, no. Um, so and then so we both have Nebraska over six. Um, what about uh, Adrian Martinez total yardage? So passing and throwing uh, have it at twenty eight hundred yards, um, which he's only eclipsed once, which was his freshman year. Um, you like over or under that? I like over. I like it at three thousand. I like twenty five hundred passing, five hundred rushing. Whew, that's a big number. I, th- I it's going to be close. Um, I'm hoping it's uh, you know somewhere's in the twenty four hundred yards uh, passing, and you know. Three to four hundred yards rushing. Um, okay, first team all Big Ten Huskers this year. I have it at one and a half. What over, over under one and a half. First team all Big Ten players this year. Trend here over. I got Cam Taylor Britt, JoJo, and Connor Culp. Okay, all right. Okay, over under point uh, five total combined thousand yard receiver or thousand yard rusher. So. Essentially, do we have a thousand yard receiver or a thousand yard rusher this uh, this season? Wishful thinking over at two. See, I'm uh, at the unders. I, I I don't see anybody touching I touching a thousand yards rushing, and um, I don't. You know, I'm high on Torrey. He could get close to that thousand yard mark. We've only had one in the history of Nebraska. Stanley Morgan a couple years ago just barely eclipsed it. So um, I'm on the unders on that. How about double digit victories for the Huskers this year? Have the line at three and a half over or under. Over five. Illinois, Fordham. Oh, shit. Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo, Northwestern, and Purdue. 
I mean, I could I could see all of those um, being that way, but maybe not all of them. I'm I'm taking I might actually take the overs too, but not at five. I think it's probably four. I think a lot of people are forgetting or not forgetting, but people aren't talking about Northwestern. I think Northwestern is going to have a absolute absolute putrid season. Um, they could be one of the worst teams on our schedule this Agreed. year. Um, and here's here's the key to the season right here. This is the question over or under. Half a point uh, five games started by Logan Smothers. Zero under. So I think under. even even if Martinez were to get hurt, I see. I think we see Harburg in there. No, he is, Smothers is QB two. So, and I say that to say this. Um, well, one, I thought they said that Smothers had won the backup job, um, but it just uh, and Adrian's starting career here. He's never started every single game. A uh, guy that missed his entire senior year of high school and has missed multiple games uh, each year he's been here. Um, I think this year is it, it's the most important year for him to stay healthy because of what the backup situation looks like. Like I said, we've got uh, Logan Smothers that's really – I don't know how much better he could have gotten uh, for, since spring, but he really just did not look very good in spring ball. And then we have two – the other two guys in the room are two guys from Kearney Catholic. Um, I just – I'm hoping – I'm just going to say under, and Martinez is going to start every game this year because we're on good vibes only today. We're zero and zero. It's game week, so good vibes only. Uh, I like Martinez to start every game this year. So um, what do you got for a bold prediction for the Huskers season this year? It doesn't necessarily have to be wins-wise or anything. Just kind of what what kind of prediction do you have for what we might see this year from Nebraska? Kind of an out-there statement. A bold statement for Nebraska. Well, let, bold, me, let me. I'll, I'll go first. And no, I, off I, I mean a bold statement for Nebraska would be nine and three and go, going to Indy. Okay. Okay, not reasonable, but <laughs> that's bold. It's bold. It's is bold. It not? Okay, is it not? so yeah, so I went with Cam Jurgens is going to be an All American this year, and this is the last year we see Cam Jurgens. He will be a NFL draft pick, a first two day NFL draft pick. Cam Jurgens, All American. And into the NFL draft this year. That's my bold prediction. I think Cam Jurgens um, is going to really show out this year, and potentially Scott Frost's son. Right? I mean, well, him, Frost, and Brock Lesnar all look like they could be like siblings. Same, you know? fa- same family tree for sure. Honestly, like they, they, yeah, they all look very, very similar. Um, but I, I like Cam. Obviously, Cam Jurgens is uh, one one of my favorite players on the team. But um, I like him to be an All American this year, and. Uh, you know, take off to the NFL, uh, get a snapping issues on under wraps. And if he does that, I think there's nobody that has any doubts in his blocking skills and uh, a very versatile athletic uh, center like they have now. Like I said, they, they do a lot of this uh, pulling the centers now, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, you see a lot of pulling guards, but now people are pulling centers. If you go watch like the Philadelphia Eagles with Kelsey's brother, He's kind of an undersized uh, center like uh, Jurgens, and he does a lot of pulling. So, well, you can um, do, you can do that when they're shot uh, shotgun snapping it more because right. then the quarterback's not in the way. Yep. I'll say so. You gave your uh, prediction for Saturday. Um, I've got the Huskers thirty-one twenty. I think Illinois scores late to get to twenty to make it look a little bit closer than it is. Um, but uh, so I thirty-one twenty Huskers. We go in there and get the job done. Um, I guess what what would it mean on Saturday for Nebraska to win, and does it matter how we look to get this W? 
I think first off and foremost, it would mean we could potentially have the first three-game win streak under Scott Frost at Nebraska. Four games. We won the last game of last season. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so even even more so possible yep. to get to that three-game. Um, but still, that's a tough pill to swallow when you think about that. But also, I, I just think it sets a tone uh, for a successful season and – you know, kind of essentially makes the majority of the grumblings of the offseason kind of go away for the time being. But um, as far as like how it looks, I think I think it does matter to an extent. I mean, if if we go in there and, and you know, we win only because we were the better of the bad two teams. I mean, that's not going to really, you know, put any of the uh, the stress to rest. Um, but if we go in there, we look sharp, we minimize our, our mistakes and, and we do all the things you're supposed to do as a superior football team, um, that's, that's going to like really set the bar, you know, a little bit higher than it, it's been for a while. And I think that, you know, if we can, you know, minimize the penalties and get our kicking game in place and get some turnovers and, you know, it score inside the fucking red zone for once, like, right. Just those types of things, if we can go in there and do the things that good football teams are used to do, used to doing, um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's going to really set the tone for the season. So I think style points matter to an extent, but obviously we'll take a take a win if we can get one. Yeah, and I think you know that we just 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 win, baby, right? You know, yeah. old <laughs> Al Davis, um, and I, I'm with you there. Like, bottom line is get a W, but. I think that uh, a lot of the narrative uh, changes if the the three things you covered, the kicking game, the turnovers, and the penalties, if those are improved, they don't have to be, you know, elite or, you know, 100% on everything. But if they just show improvement in those areas, if we win the turnover battle, you know, don't commit 10 10 penalties for 100 yards and, you know, actually see a kicker that can reach the the end zone. I think that uh, even – even in a win, if those things aren't going right, I think there'll still be some uh, some naysayers out there. So I think if we clean up those things, uh, when I think that uh, it just kind of, like I said, gets us, uh, you know, fires up this rocket ship because I I think everybody believes that the next two games for us are um, absolute lock wins. So um, with us winning the last game of last season, you know, puts us on a four game win streak. Uh, going into Oklahoma, which I don't think there's anybody in Husker Nation that thinks we're going to beat Oklahoma. But, um, you know, if you go in there 3-0 and and have a good showing, don't get blown out. Um, I think that uh, things around here are looking up. And like I said, you're going to be favored in five of your six first games here. Um, so uh, just kind of sets the tempo. But it's all all in for game one, week zero. Um, and I'm just super excited that football is finally here and the uh, the bullshit has stopped. The bullshit will stop at uh, eleven fifty nine Saturday Saturday afternoon. So, what uh, any parting shots? What else? Any closing statements? Um, yeah, I mean, just going back. I think you know it comes down to Martinez. He takes us as far as this team goes. Came Taylor Britt's a stud. JoJo Doman's a stud. If those guys can go out there and ball out and do what they do, um, and then you know we have good good play in the trenches, we're going to be in a good spot, and we're going to come out with the W and and be, you know, kind of on an uptick for the first time in a while. So looking forward to it, and I'm hoping for the best, and go Big Red, baby. Right. I Absolutely. I'm right. I want to see what this offense looks like. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm really high on these receivers and these running backs that, like I said, we have (laughs) zero proof that they're, you know, worth a shit, but 
I just I've got a feeling that our wide receiver core is really good, and uh, I think we all believe our tight ends are good. So it's like I want to see this passing game take off. I, you know, I'd like to see us come out and you know run up some points um, on Saturday, but um, win by any means necessary. So. Yes. That's it for this week's episode, guys. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully, not excuse me, not hopefully, positive vibes only after a big Nebraska victory come Saturday. So, um, as always, man, go Big Red, and uh, let's all you know root hard for the Huskers Saturday and uh, get the season off on the right foot. So, go Big Red, and we'll see you guys next week. This is the Big Red Revival.